0: It is uh, idiosyncratic uh, singer-songwriter Khalees coming through featuring Andre 3000 with Millionaire. And uh, that is the the, uh, opening or rather second segment opener uh, by our guest this morning. Amonga joins me on the line. She is our guest presenter, founder of Blackboard Africa and uh, wrote My Big Name. Um, She is an activist. She's an author, a TEDx speaker, a woman determined to to really shake and shape up, uh, you know, the world and environment around her. And Amonga, before we went into a, the break, I was uh, asking you to, you know, just prep your mind in terms of uh, telling us a little bit about the work that you do with Blackboard Africa. I so saw your social media. Um, you have quite a few programs that fall under the banner of this program.
1: Um.
2: Mm, mm. Um. So, in terms of our programming with Blackboard Africa, our focus is very much on leadership. I think when we were thinking about the impact that we want to create as an organization on the continent, I think it was really about developing the leadership capacity of young people. Um, So we run different workshops, Fan Her Flame, Fuel His Flame, um, that are all around developing those leadership skills. Um, We also have like a bunch of different topical conversational um, workshops that Mm. are focusing on different issues. So, you know, about identity, about gender-based violence. We had a series called Boys Will Not Be Boys. So, Mm. you know, we're touching on, you know, all of these really pertinent issues affecting youth, but Mm. we're also contextualizing them in terms of tools that are needed, um, mm. like leadership towards, that are gearing young people towards finding solutions.
0: Mm. And what's coming up in, in the spaces where yourself and your team um, go through to engage and conduct workshops? What's at the center, uh, you know, of the challenges that youth are facing? And um, two parts to that question is some of the solutions perhaps that they are seeing for themselves. Cause I firmly believe that, you know, when, people are in sort of an abject situation um mm-hmm. when are challenged or burdened by something they are oftentimes the ones who know exactly what needs to be done in order to correct mm-hmm. and rectify
2: oh definitely oh definitely um
0: i think what we're finding is that because we're
2: we're such a varied and diverse nation the 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 priorities in terms of you know the issues that are that we're facing are a little bit different and so mm. our approach is just to encourage everybody to to take one small action towards towards alleviating that issue so mm. for me you know being a young black woman my safety gender based violence um the the statistics around rape you know that's a very pressing one for me because my safety is constantly pulled into question. So mm. I'm constantly seeking out ways for us to to find and for us to seek out safety for our young woman. So, mm. you know, that's a priority for me. But I think then that's my, it's my onus to then, you know, find solutions and find like-minded people who also have that priority Mm. so that we can be working towards that, which is, you know, why I work with other organizations such as Kitty's Foundation. She's Mm. a friend of mine and she's also working very actively in the gender-based violence space. Mm. So, you know, I think it's not necessarily to say that, you know, this one is more important than that one, Mm. but, you know, you should be championing the thing that you think is a massive priority to you mm. and if we're all you know working at these different things at multiple levels i think that's when we're going to see a really significant impact
0: absolutely um you know and and as you highlight gbv and uh you, from your perspective as a young black woman, I'm thinking because you primarily work with youth, um, when we have this conversation about GBV, we've just come out of, uh, you know, the gender-based violence and uh, femicide conference uh, that was happening in uh, Centurion just uh, a week ago um,
1: mm. with
0: various stakeholders within the, you, you know, organizations, within governmental departments, etc. But it was really much from the gaze and lens of, adulthood, Uh, you know, Mm. adult experiences, grown experiences, organizations that, um, yes, they touch on young lives, but it's a byproduct of them sort of attacking socioeconomic issues that are affecting the adult um, in the equation. And I'm wondering, because you have direct communication and engagement with the youth, um, you know, what what is sort of their add on or they take away from this conversation of GBV when, for instance, when they unpack safety and what that means for a a young teenage girl in any community that you go into, what are they articulating?
2: Um, I think we're just articulating exhaustion. (laughs) Um, I think it's, it's a very frustrating situation to have to constantly be thinking about your safety. And I think, with the work that we try to do, we're we're trying to you know have those conversations with our young girls. The reality is is we're not going to change the world overnight. Mm. And so you know they we're we're trying to create pockets of safe spaces for them to decompress, to open up and to share about their experiences, and to hopefully grow with one another, mm. but also with our young boys. We're very much educating them about the situation. like I'm not sure that they know to an extent how much our safety is on our mind because mm. it's always at threat, it's always at risk, right? Mm. So I think we very much try to communicate that to our young boys and when we're we're also you know shaping and and trying to help them also be, creators of safe spaces mm. and teaching them about you know consent and all of these really important conversations that aren't happening with our young boys mm. um so so that's that's really what our focus has been.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, a very interesting conversation with uh, our guest presenter amonge this morning, and uh, I'll hand over the baton to you. I think we've got Kitiwe on standby already. Uh, if you can just uh, introduce us to Kitiwe um, and tell us a little bit about some of the work that she does um, and why you felt it necessary for her to join you in conversation this morning.
2: Definitely, definitely. So. Um, my friend we have here on the line, her name is Ketiwe Sibagnoni, Um she runs an amazing organization called Ketty's Foundation. It's a completely youth-led organization that is really focused on gender-based violence in and around South Africa. And it's really about, um, you know, programs that are sort of helping and supporting shelters and empowering women. Um, and just really establishing or helping them establish healthy levels of independence um, so that they're, they're you know, taken away from situations where they're highly dependent on their abusers. Mm. Um, so they're, they're, she's doing really, really incredible work. And I'm so excited to have this conversation with her today.
0: Ketue, how are you doing this morning? Good morning. How um, are I'm you? Well. How are you? i'm well i'm very well thank you how are you i'm fantastic uh fantastic rather uh katie can i ask you if you can just raise your voice one decibel for me please um we're just having issues with our lines this morning, so we are patching you in via Zoom, and the audio is a little bit softer than the telephone line that uh, Amonge is on. Um, so if you can just use your outdoor voice for us, that'd be great. Or your indoor projection voice, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will certainly do so. Awesome. Um, I mean, a a beautiful, uh, contextualized introduction by uh, Amonge in terms of you and the work that you do. Um, And if you can elaborate for us, we were just a sort of talking with among about you know, the spaces that she goes into with blackboard um and, and the kind of work that she does with with her community via her programs if if you can expand for us in terms of ketis foundation um and and what led you to to deciding that you know what let me be the change that i want to see in my communities
1: um I always tell the story about how Kitty's Foundation started like in the midst of the hard lockdown. Mm. And what I remember, quite frankly, is the, 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 the uh, nation addresses by our president, Cyril Ramaphosa. And there was always the aspect about gender based violence and the rising cases of femicide. Mm. Um, but there was never a solution. Um, I would never listened to the news prior to that, but mm. I listened during that time, um, and I never found any answer from anything that he said. I think he had a plan for every other thing that was going on related to COVID, but for that it was always like um, the national team against gender-based violence and femicide is currently working on a framework, is currently working on this document, mm. is currently working on passing this policy, and the at the end of the day, on the ground, um, we needed real-time solutions that mm. although policies and the le- legislation is important related to gender-based violence, but we needed solutions right there on the ground. Mm. And so I just felt like there's something that I could do. And I'm a firm believer, something that has been really influenced by my mom, that if you're not doing something here, you-, you can't really blame the government for anything. Um, and I-, I-, I took it upon myself to say, what can I do within my reach to try and solve this problem? And that's how Casey's Foundation was born.
0: Oh, beautiful stuff. I love uh, young women that are really just uh, picking up the baton and uh, putting their, their, literally their entire physical being in into uh, walking the talk. Uh, I'm joined on the line by Ketiwe Sibanyoni, who is, of course, the friend and collaborator to our guest presenter today, Amonge, um, who we've been talking to for the better part of the hour. Um it- Here's what a statement that I saw amonge, or well, words, not really a statement, mm-hmm. but words that I saw Amwange sort of uh, um, use in a past interview where she says, your responsibility in life is to take charge of the things that affect your life. Um, and, and I really get the sense that that is how you've both chosen, um, you know, to participate in this life. Um, that is how you've both chosen to exemplify what is good citizenry um, for not just your peers but for you know uh, South Africans at large, um, am I correct in in my assessment, Ketu?
1: you definitely are, um, and I think what's what's crazy is that um, the other day I was revisiting um, Miss South Africa's uh, interview stage and uh, particularly listening to uh, Zimi Mabunzi's part where she says, as a society, we need to let go of the authority that we exercise over other people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I found that so fascinating to understand that we exercise such authority on other people's lives, but we have nothing to say when we are asked, are we taking responsibility for our own lives? Mm -hmm. And I found that to be such, a societal complex that it's easy to dictate and judge what other people are doing and how is that, that how that is affecting and contributing to your situation when the real question should be inward mm. what am i doing and how am i fixing the environment around me
0: Mm, mm, mm. You've definitely left us with with a nugget there. You see, this is what I was saying earlier to Amangia about uh, this Gen Z uh, <laughs> and and how they operate in life. De- <laughs> definitely thinkers they are. When they get it correct, they literally get it correct. Um, and then I've <laughs> got to ask you, but before we we onboard Amangia back to her conversation, uh, let me ask you, Katie, what are some of the the challenges that your community, the community that you serve as, particularly young people, what are they articulating? And Among has shared with us what she sort of engaged in the spaces with her community. But what are yours articulating about what a sense of safety means for them? Um, you know, and I ask this because oftentimes the youth is left out uh, from the direct conversation about, for instance, GBV and safety and femicide. And yet, week in, week out, we see, you know, former minister, was it premier, MEC of education, the Sufi. Um, we see him sharing these visuals on Twitter about school assaults and school attacks. And there's, obviously a very direct systemic situation that is happening in the home and in society and in community. But we do not bring these young voices into the rooms to physically articulate for themselves.
1: Exactly. And I think that's primarily the problem that our generation really yearns um, for representation in all forms. Mm. But besides representation, it really is the transparency that comes with progressive leadership. Mm. I think at times the older generation may sometimes feel that we feel entitled mm. um, or we are always attacking, but we feel that what, how we are being led is not transparently spoken about and shared with us for us to know exactly what steps are being taken mm. with issues like our safety. Honestly, with the communities that I work in, um, I've realized that, it's so sad that we've gone past that mentality of almost really asking how am I not being protected how um, how is the government government not making sure that I am safe it really has now become a mindset driven by fear where we are always on survival mode mm. I, I literally always see the internal dilemmas about young young people especially young girls who make decisions like can I walk alone from Mm. school can I engage in this conversation with this male it looks innocent but can I do it Mm. can I trust this person this might be old. this person might be older than me this might be my teacher but Can I trust to go into a room or a staff room alone Mm. with him? And that's what has become so heartbreaking to know that our minds have shifted into what should ordinarily be feeling generally safe in our country. To I need to always assume the worst until proven otherwise.
0: Mm -hmm. And I mean, and you speak right there, um, you know, of of really um, a, a psychological state of of anxiety and paranoia, which is justified in a country like ours, where a one particular gender remains, you know, um, in a state of being attacked. Um, and again, goes back to 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 our earlier points of w- when we talk and convene in these rooms as Gen X, as you know, the the grown ups in the conversation we forget what we feel and what we experience reverberates all the way down. Um, and maybe the exactly. younger may not have the words to vocalize it they may not have the terminology to vocalize it but it's definitely something that is also embedded in them. Um, Amonge let me uh, bring you back on to the conversation. Uh, Amonge is uh, standing by as uh, we talk mm-hmm. to Ketiwe. Um Ladies and I and I beg your patience this morning we've been load shed at this side of the world and so our systems are going awry um, so if at any one time because we've now had to use separate lines if anyone one time either one of you can't hear the other one it's purely because um the two lines are not uh, technically not synced that you can you can conference call both of you at the same time um so apologies for that hence i'll be jumping between the two of you for the remainder of the conversation um among, let's talk about the book that uh, you've uh, published my big name um and I mean I saw your aunties were out at the launch people were celebrating (laughs) you know before I even knew we were having this conversation I was told about the brilliance of this young lady um tell me about the book
2: oh man um so my big name is the name of the book and it's Essentially, my sis- my younger sister's story. Um, Isenguye goes to f- her first big day of school, and her teacher uh, mispronounces her name and then decides that she's going to call her Izzy mm-hmm. just because it's easier and more convenient for her tongue. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Isenguye sort of goes through exploring how that makes her feel and how that affects her. Mm-hmm. And essentially, then she gets to realize that. Because her name has a meaning, it also has a superpower, mm. and you know that unlocks something in her, and she's just really encouraged to embrace her name and and never let anybody change her name. And she encourages her classmates to do the same. Mm.
0: You know what I love about this story in this book, um, and I've been on record many a years now saying this um, <laughs> because I'm part I'm part aware of it, part. Um, you know, I i mean, ashamed is a strong word, but I'll use it in the absence of another. Um, growing up in the way that we did, millennials especially, being the first, you know, first mm, to mm, enter mm. these model schools, you were one of two, three children at any one given time. I remember being in primary school, being one of three kids, black oh, kids, to so enter yeah. the space. Um, and, and I've recently drawn this connection that and it was only in grade 10 that I picked up Zulu as a language. I didn't know how to speak Zulu at all, at all, mm, because, you know, mm. you get into these schools and you, you must speak English when you get home. And you, no, you have
2: you, to assimilate. You must yeah. assimilate.
0: You've been in the system since, you know, like some of us from grade zero that you guys now call it grade zero. Mm, and so, you know mm. what I mean? Um, But I started, because of radio, having conversations with millennial parents who had younger children. And they were in a crossroads where they were trying to get their children to cement their blackness and to Mm. use language Mm. as a gateway. And they were struggling because the kids speak and think in English like I do. (laughs) And, And I was saying to them, please use me as an example when you tell the story of You do not want to be an adult like Auntie Bridge where you are struggling to articulate yourself in your mother's tongue because Mm, you have had to assimilate from age five from your very first ability to string a sentence together. It's been Mm -hmm. an English sentence. So I think this book is, and, and the work that you're doing with this particular project is very necessary thank you thank you
2: i mean it's 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 exactly that it's about you know we're definitely going to be pushed into certain spaces where identity is going to be challenged mm. so we need to more than anything always know the power that lies within ourselves and within our names you know they're they're extremely powerful they have meanings They're there are hopes and our dreams from our parents for our lives mm. um so you know they're they're extremely powerful and i think it's just about being in control and being um the one who's able to define yourself in certain spaces mm. so I think that's what it's really all about. And I think it's not, you know, a finger-wagging exercise. There's no harm in not knowing. What we're really targeting is a willingness to learn and an openness to understand.
0: Absolutely. Um, And also being conscious of the fact that as we exist in our blackness and in these spaces that were predominantly, you know, um, white spaces or the preserve of other culture and other race, uh, as mm. much as we code switch it it shouldn't be at the detriment of who we are um, exactly it shouldn't exactly. be at the expense of the blackness or the africanness exactly. or the culture
2: exactly exactly
0: I love it. Uh, how's the reception with, with the book? Because, uh, you know, I saw you had younger audiences that came. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are they saying about sort of taking up the challenge to say, I will assert myself even at the age of 10, I will assert mm. that you say my name is Enguye properly.
2: No, definitely. I mean, the reception has been incredible. It's been really affirming to have conversations with, you know, people my age or even older and have them just say, oh my gosh, I totally get it. Mm -hmm. But it's been even more inspiring to have this conversation with kids. And they're like, I didn't know other people were going through this. And that's the thing is, when we're older, our lens is, you know, it's not that big of a deal because we've been socialized to make it not that big of a deal but you forget that at that age um when you know you're not necessarily worrying about too many things mm. um you know it really has an impact on you mm. um because it's it's already sort of teaching you that there's something wrong with you that you know you're you're not supposed to operate a certain way in this space Mm. so you know we it's just about really exploring that for children and having them you know not be afraid to have these conversations with their teachers as well I think sometimes kids idolize their teachers which Mm. is great you know you have that respect for them but you must never you know put yourself on the back burner in 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 an attempt to to like maintain like a false illusion of respect if that makes sense yeah Yeah. um yeah
0: and how did you navigate this uh i mean growing up growing up in these spaces going to you know these private model c schools um how did you find yourself sort of um acclimating or even being conscious of the code switching uh particularly when you start getting higher in, in, you know, in, in grade when you start in high school and, and you start looking at things differently and interrogating things differently?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's one of those things that are probably going to be a part of our lives. Um, you know, the code switching, you know, I think as you, you get older, it's sad to say, I feel like you you get better at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, like you, you just get better at Knowing that, you know, speaking in a certain way or articulating something in a certain way Mm. will have an impact differently depending on who you're speaking to. Mm. Um, So I don't think there's necessarily a crime in that, but I do think that we should be able to, to a certain extent, be who we are Mm. um, in every space that we're in. So, you know, I think it's just about navigating that. And it's it's super tricky. It's super, super tricky. I mean, in high school, I was probably a very annoying student for the teachers. <laughs> um, you know, I've always been very outspoken. But, you know, I'm always about building towards something. So I'm not trying to tear anybody down, but yeah. it's just about we need to be having these conversations because they're affecting me. And so, you know, we need to be engaging about how we can do this better. Um, maybe not even for me, but but definitely for the next generation.
0: Absolutely. Uh, where by way of a parting shot, Um, You know, uh, as we wrap up the conversation, it is the last few moments and uh, thank you. Uh, you won't be able to uh, share the exchange with you live and direct, but I will uh, Mm -hmm. thank you on her behalf for being a part of uh, our conversation this morning. Um, By way of a parting shot, what would you like to sort of leave us conscious of as South Africans? Uh, You know, things for us or a particular thing for us to consider as we try and build a more participatory, more inclusive um, and socially aware society? Thank you so
1: much for that. And thank you so much for having me. Um, I am really passionate about gender-based violence, so it will have to be about that. Mm. Um, I think something that I really want to make um, our society aware of is the danger that comes with only caring about gender-based violence once it's affected someone in your family, a Mm. friend or someone you really care about. I think that mentality is not only contributing to gender-based violence in such an immense way, but it is also the reason why we can never really be progressive Mm. when it relates to gender-based violence, because I think our efforts as a society to end it are only ever apparent when something drastic and dramatic has happened in that space and then we go back to our default when we forget forgotten about it and continue to operate like we always did Mm. and i always urge us to be a socially aware society because by the time that gender-based violence has affected someone directly in contact with you that you love mm. it is too late it is at that point where you need to realize you had acted too late mm. Mm. there's something that i really need to leave with everyone because i know that if we made continuous small efforts as a society but we did them consistently mm. we would be far with the gender based pro- gender based violence problem in our country
0: Ketiwe, I couldn't have put it better myself. Thank you so much for being a part of our conversation this morning. That was Ketiwe Sibanyoni. She is the founder of Keti's Foundation, which is a youth-based and youth-driven foundation, uh, accompanying her friend Amonge uh, Singwoto, who is the founder of Blackboard Africa, author, activist, um, and thought leader. Uh, Amonge, it's been a privilege being in conversation with you this morning. Thank you uh, for taking the time. And I, you know, Whenever I encounter brilliant minds as much as I give you credit uh, for your ability to walk into a room and take up space and interrogate you know circumstance and be solution driven I also also share a small nugget of that credit with mom and dad and your oh, most
2: definitely <laughs> your
0: most immediate community because I think um, it is also in part a reflection of everything that they have plowed into you, into your heart, your soul, mm, um, that mm. has some, somewhat been a catalyst uh, to, to being the lady that you are.
2: Most definitely. Most definitely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for your insightful questions. It was really, really beautiful to spend time with you.
0: Oh, Thank you, a blessed Sunday to you. And on that note, that is how we wrap up the Jet Set Breakfast. Why is it every time I need to leave this building, the heavens open up? (laughs) It was clear, it was promising some semblance of, you know, a cloudy day minus the wetness. And as I cast my eye out the window, I see it is now pouring down yet again. Um, Be safe on the road. If you are driving, please, I cannot caution you enough uh, to take your time rather be late. Uh, then being sorry it is dangerous driving out there. Um, and uh, inshallah, God willing, we get to, to do it all again next week. khumutso is already uh, standing by to keep you company. And then if I'm not mistaken, Anne is coming through at 10 o'clock with the 10 o'clock bulletin. Or it could be a change of voice by now. Um, so bear with me. I think we've got time to play out with uh, Among Us' last song. Um, and we will see you next week. Stay safe.